Unity Community of Central Oregon's podcast featuring Reverend Jane Hyatt. So knocking on heaven's door, I love this song. And, and I got so excited as I was thinking about it from a metaphysical point of view. So first of all, heaven's door, what is that? Heaven is not a place, it's a state of being. It's a state of consciousness. And it's an expanded, higher level of consciousness. So in this song, it's a song sung by an outlaw. And what is an outlaw? An outlaw is someone who is living outside of the law. The law is the way the cosmos is designed to work. So love one another, that is a law of the cosmos. And this guy who's singing the song is living outside of that law and probably many others. He's living outside the law of abundance. He feels like he has to take everything from, with violence. So this is a song of our society. And we are all members of that society. We may be living in a higher state of consciousness that's, than some others in our society, but we're all part of it because we're all one. And so there is something in us that is living outside of the law. And that path has taken the character who's singing the song and our society alike to a point where we're down on our knees, where we have lost the things that are so important to us, where we don't see how we can continue, where we're really scared, where we are starting to get that our guns, which are symbolic of taking by force, without consideration for others, whether it be the earth or our fellow humans or the animals. It's not working, and we're finally getting that. And we're saying, Mama, Pachamama, take these guns from me. Take this way of being from me. This is what happens in the 12-step program, when people realize that we have come to a point where we have no control over what we are doing. And we realize that we need to turn to a higher consciousness. There is a higher consciousness, and if we will just surrender to it, that we can create a different life. And there are 12-steppers all over the world who have found this to be true, who have a beautiful life today because they took this step. And in a way, they are pathfinders so that now we as a society can say, look at the mess we have created. We have no control over our own behavior. We need to step away from this kind of thinking and turn to a higher level of consciousness. That is the only thing that will save us. And so we turn to Mama. Mother God, Pachamama, however you think of that, we are turning, asking for help. And Mama comes. But she comes in the form of the Hindu goddess Kali. Kali, who is the giver of life and the giver of death and destruction, who says, you won't be doing this anymore. You asked for freedom. 
I will set you free. But we don't enjoy her medicine. We don't enjoy it even a little bit. But it's important. And if we can see that this is the great goddess Kali, or whatever name you call her, that this is medicine for our times. It will help to ease our suffering. There's a story that you probably remember from childhood about Jack and the Beanstalk. The story is so interesting. It begins where Jack is living with his mom. She's a single mother, like many of you. The father was killed by a giant many years ago, and all of their riches were taken away. So here they find themselves as a family in dire straits. The things that they counted on for their livelihood have been stripped. Many of us are in that situation now. Jobs have been stripped away. Health has been stripped away. We can't be with our families. They are in a dire situation. And their last resource, their cow, the mama says to Jack, take it to the market, see what you can get for it. It's all we have left. Metaphysically, the cow represents our human idea of how we can succeed in the world. And this is the last vestige of the ego's attempt to be okay. So off Jack goes to the market, and on the way, he meets this strange character. And the character says, oh, nice cow, I will give you magic beans. Now, we all know how that story goes. Jack, Jack is like the wise fool. Jack makes the trade. There's something in him that says, yes, there's magic. That's what we need. And so he takes the beans, not money, and goes back to his mother. Now, his mother is representing the consciousness that thinks it's about money, that thinks it's about the material world. And when he shows up with magic beans, she is royally pissed. And she <laughs> takes those beans and she throws them out the door where they land in the yard. She wants none of that. But the story goes on. The next morning, those beads, because they are magic, have taken root, and they have sprouted. And there is this huge beanstalk that is growing way up into the sky, past the clouds. You can't see the top of it. So Jack like any good young boy would do, sees something to climb and starts climbing. And he doesn't know where he's going, but the beanstalk represents the route to higher consciousness. So that route might be acts of kindness, it might be meditation, it might be prayer. But it's a way to get our consciousness to a higher place. When he gets up there, 
he finds a castle. It's a huge land. It's a beautiful place in our consciousness. The only trouble with it is that there's a giant who's living there. In fact, the very giant who stole all the riches that had belonged to this family before. Jack has to employ his trickery, which is a form of wisdom. He has to be brave. He has to call on qualities of his heart and soul. And through doing that, he is able to regain the riches that come from a higher plane. And in escaping back down the beanstalk, he is bringing the gifts of heaven to earth. And in the process, he has to destroy the giant. The giant is this elusive conception that there is something that can destroy us. This is not true. We need to deny the power of that. Even if we or someone we love or many people on the earth die from this virus, we cannot be destroyed. They cannot be destroyed. They continue to exist in a plane of higher consciousness. And we need to hold on to that and know that is truth. Jesus, in the Bible, talked about there was someone who wanted to follow him. They could see he was clearly a person of great power. That he was, he was creating miracles of healing. That he spoke words of wisdom. That he radiated love. And this person wanted wanted what he was having. He said, let me be your disciple. And he said, okay, just give your money away to the poor and come and follow me. And the man looked at him and he said, what? It's, it's my money, my precious. Can't, <laughs> we can't let go of that. And it's not that money is bad. The Bible never said Money is the root of all evil. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. It's the attachment to it. It's really that, my precious. And you see what happened to Smeagol. When you're so attached to something, you lose everything. And Jesus was saying, let go of the attachment to it. Focus on what's important. And the man could not do that. And he walked away sadly, forsaking the kingdom of heaven, which Jesus was teaching is right here, right now, within us. Not someday, somewhere, but here and now. The whole idea of heaven has been distorted in society because the ego likes to measure and separate. And so religious leaders in history got the idea that some were chosen and some were not. There is the ego at work and society. And that continues to this day. The truth is, we are all chosen. We are all having access to the kingdom of heaven within. We all have the opportunity to be free. 
going back to fairy tales again, I was reflecting on how in every fairy tale, or many fairy tales at least, there are a set of three, three brothers or three sisters. And there is some quest that has to be performed. The first two go out, and they're always arrogant, right? They want, they're focused on money, they're focused on winning a war, they're focused on just showing how great they are and becoming king. They're all ego-based, those first two. And they think that they're powerful, and the parent figure thinks that they're powerful and puts all their trust in them. And as they go along, they come to some character on the side of the road, usually an old man or an old woman, who just looks kind of weird. Like, what would that person know? Why would I listen to them? Have you known anybody in your life that looks a little weird, that you have decided couldn't possibly have any wisdom? And yet, perhaps they do. Well, in the fairy tales, they always ignore that person on the side of the road, sometimes very, very rudely, but they move on and don't listen to what the wisdom that that character had to offer. Instead, they go on, usually, to their great demise. Sometimes they're killed, sometimes they're captured, different things happen, none of them good, because they didn't listen to the wisdom that that character had to offer. And then along comes the third sibling. The third sibling is usually one who is not wired for power and fame, who is in tune to the earth, to the plants, to the animals, who is usually referred to as a simpleton, a Cinderella, somebody who is not given respect by the ego characters of the two elder siblings. And even the parent has doubts about this one. Uh, you know, this one doesn't really have the go get em that is needed. This one doesn't have the ability to go forward and get the prize. They're not well motivated. But being out of resources, the parent finally agrees to let the third one go. And the third one comes to the same character on the side of the road. And when the character offers help or asks for help, like maybe, do you have anything to eat? Where the other two just ignored and did not share what they had, the third one, who usually has less to begin with, shares whatever he or she has with the person on the side of the road. And in return, the person on the side of the road gives them something. It might be a magic cape, it might be a flask, who knows? It's something, something magical that will come in useful later. Kindness is rewarded. And on the character goes and succeeds in the quest. So, this is a template for us. As we go along, we are going to meet these characters in life in consciousness, 
that we need to listen to, but we don't like what they represent. We don't like what they say. So I want to read you a couple of examples of the kinds of messages that they give. One is a poem written by the poet Rumi. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and attend them all, even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and let them in. So all the emotions that you're feeling right now about coronavirus, this crazy guy, Rumi, at the side of the road is saying, welcome it in, let it be good. And we are thinking, you are nuts. We don't like that message. We don't like the consequences that we are experiencing from this. We are, we are saying, it's not my fault. It's not fair. And Rumi is saying, if you will listen to my wisdom, whatever it is, welcome it. Trust that the cosmos is always conspiring for our good, even when it doesn't look that way. Even when we have something like a fever, a fever seems like a bad thing and we want to get the fever down, but I remember when my kids were little teaching them, oh, that's your soldiers. Your soldiers are fighting an infection. They're fighting to make you well. A fever can be a good thing. We have the power to call. This is good. We are the referees in the games of our lives, and we can call it good. Here's another one. This is an imagined letter from COVID-19 to humans written by Kristen Flintz. Stop. Just stop. It is no longer a request. It's a mandate. We will help you. We will bring the supersonic high-speed merry-go-round to a halt. We will stop the planes, the trains, the schools, the malls, the meetings, the frenetic, furied rush of illusions and obligations that keep you from hearing our single and shared beating heart. The way we breathe together in unison. Our obligation is to each other as it has always been. Even if, even though, you have forgotten. We will interrupt this broadcast, the endless cacophonous broadcast of divisions and distractions, to bring you this long-breaking news. We are not well. None of us, all of us, are suffering. Last year, the firestorms that scorched the lungs of the earth did not give you pause. Nor the typhoons in Africa, China, Japan, nor the fevered climates in Japan and India, 
you have not been listening. It is hard to listen when you are so busy all the time, hustling to uphold the comforts and conveniences that scaffold your lives. But the foundation is giving way, buckling under the weight of your needs and desires. We will help you. We will bring the firestorms to your body. We will bring the fever to your body. We will bring the burning, searing, and flooding to your lungs that you might hear. We are not well. Despite what you might think or feel, we are not the enemy. We are messenger. We are ally. We are a balancing force. We are asking you to stop, to be still, to listen, to move beyond your individual concerns and consider the concerns of all, to be with your ignorance, to find your humility, to relinquish your thinking minds and travel deep into the mind of the heart, to look up into the sky streaked with fewer planes and see it, to notice its condition, clear, smoky, smoggy, rainy. How much do you need it to be healthy so that you may be healthy also? To look at a tree and see it, to notice its condition. How does its health contribute to the health of the sky, to the air you need to be healthy? To visit a river and see it, to notice its condition, clear, clean, murky, polluted? How much do you need it to be healthy? so that you may also be healthy. How does its health contribute to the health of the tree who contributes to the health of the sky so that you may be healthy? Many are afraid now. Do not demonize your fear and also do not let it rule you. Instead, let it speak to you in your stillness. Listen for its wisdom. What might it be telling you about what is at work, at issue, at risk, beyond the threads, threats of personal inconvenience and illness? As the health of a tree, a river, the sky, tells you about quality of your own health, what might the quality of your health tell you about the health of the rivers, the trees, the sky, and of all of us who share this planet with you. Stop. Notice if you are resisting. Notice what you are resisting. Ask why. Stop. Just stop. Be still. Listen. Ask us what we might teach you about illness and healing, about what might be required so that all may be well. We will help you if you listen. All of this is giving us a template for how we may go forward and heal, not just for ourselves, but for our planet. 
we have to begin with acknowledging what is, acknowledging our feelings, allowing ourselves to feel our feelings and not pretend that we're not feeling them. We have to let go of what we have been doing, the habits that have not been healthy. Along the way, we have to let go of other things that are really hard. I can't see my grandson anymore, and I am so sad. One of my minister friends is married to a doctor, and they have two small children, and he comes in the house, and they can't hug him. She can't sleep in the same bed with him anymore because every day he comes in having been exposed to this virus in the hospital. Another one of my minister friends is realizing that her daughter has been exposed, her daughter who lives with her, and that she may have to start preparing for death because she's been a smoker for 40 years. And all of those warnings that came along, she did not listen to. And now her lungs are probably not strong enough to survive this if she catches it. People are facing things like this. People are finding out that their loved ones have the virus and they can't go to see them. They can't be at their bedside. People are suffering and it is real, and we need to accept that and not sugarcoat it and allow ourselves to feel our feelings. But we are not meant to marinate in them. We feel our feelings, and then we turn our attention. We knock at heaven's door, and we open ourselves to a higher consciousness. We climb that beanstalk, whatever we need to do. We get our minds into union with all that is good and whole and loving. And if we will do that, heaven's door will open. Jesus said, whoever knocks, the door will be opened. Knock means demand, claim. I am part of this, this all. I deserve to be here. If we will do this, we will be set free. We will be released, not just from our personal suffering, but from the suffering and the insanity that our planet has been racked with for too long. Not because of any ill will on our part, but because we're part of something that we're trapped in. And it's time to lay down those guns. It's time to be released. Take this badge off of me I can't use it anymore It's getting too dark to die 
Mama put my guns in the ground mm -hmm. I can't shoot them anymore A cold black cloud is coming down And I feel like I'm knocking I feel like I'm knocking on People, I believe I must be knocking on heaven's door. 